Hello and welcome to Viking Fuel. My name is Anthony. As always, I'm recording out of sunny San Diego. Uh, and today I've got Evan McGain on the phone with me. And uh, this uh, this kid's kind of a legend in my eyes with uh, what he's done to create a mead out of his college. And uh, the way he went about it is really interesting. So, uh, Evan, really quick, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the story about how you ended up making this mead? So... I, uh, when I, when I was on my college campus, I was at the Starbucks and the Starbucks is owned by Sodexo. Actually all food on my campus is owned by Sodexo and has to go through it. And so I'm, I'm at the Starbucks and I, I see while I was uh, getting the, the, I saw the sugar bar and I saw that they had honey packets and I looked at the honey packets and it, and most honey packets are usually not full honey or they're half honey or just little portions of it. And they're just kind of fake big sugars. Uh, I, I looked and it said true source honey. And I realized, uh, that's a great source of honey. And I tasted, it. I'm like, this is fantastic. So then my brain switched off. I went, how many packets can I fit in my hand? And I got about 10 in my palm that you couldn't see. And I went, Oh, I, I can do this. And I did a calculation. I needed a certain amount of uh, packets and I didn't want to take every, every little bit uh, all the whole time because then you just look like a criminal. <laughs> like it's not doing anything illegal, but I'm just like I paid for my coffee, but I'm like, how how long will this take me? So I spent for the next four weeks at my college campus. I take little bit by little, bit. and then I got I got really antsy and I just wanted to get it done. So the last day, I took thirty of them, and I realized that I did it in a time when they uh, I never took more than I needed, and more people and other people were taking it as well. And at that point, I realized I think I, I took as more than their stock that they had. Because at some point they switched out with agave, and let's be honest, agave is not as good as honey. And uh, as meat makers, we already know that. It just doesn't ferment as good. It doesn't taste as good. But uh, I ended up taking all this honey, three pounds worth, and fermented it with D47 to make a 14% mead in my college dorm. So um, how many packets did it take you to uh, get to the amount that uh, you ended up using for the honey? And uh, how long did it take you to get all of these packets into your carboy? So I, I snagged 176 packets. And in terms of that, I that's about – it was a little more than three pounds, I believe. It's uh, the actual weight, including the packet. It was 0.29 ounces. So I, I just based it on that, and then I realized, well, you should have a little more than that to cover your bases for any loss, which I was shocked by how little loss I got because I, I squeezed with my fingers all the honey I could out of those packets, and the only loss that I got was the packets itself, which over 176 packets, I think I only lost about maybe two ounces, maybe two and a half at the most. So I really was pretty good on that. Um, and uh, what was your other question? Uh, how long did it take you to get all that honey into the carboy? <laughs> oh, that was a uh, four hour, four hours and, and six minute time lapse on my phone. And it was just me looking sad and just squeezing it. I knew I was in trouble when it took me 90 seconds to get the first two out. And it was the process was take my knife, slice them, squeeze, 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 and then take my whole finger and squeeze it all the way down. And then I went... Well, now that, that was just one, and that took me about 45 seconds, and I'm like, this is not going to go well. So, um, you mentioned that you used uh, D47 for your yeast. Uh, what did you end up uh, using for your nutrients? Uh, did you make a starter? Um, I mean, 
doing this out of a college campus, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest thing to do. I mean, obviously, you spent a long amount of time just to get the honey into the carboy alone, so. Yes. Yeah, so in, in terms of uh, nutrients, I, 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 I always overpitch. That's just kind of what happens. I mean, you're using a, a cheap yeast anyways. It's it's $1, so even a college uh, student would be like, well, that's a dollar's a dollar. It's no big deal. So I would just pitch my yeast in there for the full one gallon, and in terms of uh, nutrients, I was uh, dog sitting at the time, so I let it sit for uh, about two days for once it to kick in the full fermentation before I transfer. I brought it back to my dorm, and once I got it to my dorm, I had my I had two packs, uh, two different yeast nutrients. One is a it just says yeast nutrient. I believe it's from uh, Brewer's Best, I believe, and it's just a white, almost looks like salt packets or, or salt pieces, and I. You have to use such a little amount for one gallon, so I just use a couple drops of the little pebbles, and then I have a yeast nutrient from white uh, Y yeast that is uh, smells horrible, but it's it's a it's a combination of different nutrients uh, that they that is made specifically for beer, and I I've never had issues, and by using like the cocktails I would call it of it um, over the first week of fermentation, I can produce a pretty fast and really healthy fermentation. Uh, in, especially in a dorm room. Um, so uh, I know personally for me, I, I've always been a big fan of using a uh, go firm and firmate and things like that for my nutrients. But uh, I know um, that at, each person has their own kind of idea of what they like to use. Um, I am curious, how long did it take for the fermentation to finish? And did it ferment dry? Did it complete fermentation? Or did you end up stabilizing? So what the process within that, I, I believe it took me. I, mean, I checked it over time, and I I believe it took a, a about a, a full four weeks for the full fermentation. I, I just left it in the carboy, and by that fourth week, it was starting to clarify. Uh, and I never did any clarification to it. It's um, it, it's uh, it took me four weeks, and then when I uh, checked it, I checked the. Uh, and it was no no more no more bubbles. That's that's really my basis. Is if I don't see any more bubbles, even like some people go, yeah, you can still bottle. It's just got a little one one little bubble coming up. I I just don't want bo uh, bottle bombs or, or or of any kind. So I checked it, and it was said it was, I believe it was ten twelve. Or sorry, uh, yeah, ten twelve. That was my uh, final gravity. I believe my uh, my gravity, my original gravity was uh, eleven. 14 i want to say maybe i i, I i'm trying to remember it but uh it, it was it came out to being about past 14 percent um and and uh, i back sweetened it just a little bit uh i tasted it, it tasted great it was delicious super a uh, little bit of sweetness semi-sweet but i felt to myself that it was a little too dry and i, I my basis is i give it to my australian father who loves ipas and when i gave it to him he goes oh that's too sweet but as a meat maker 1012 is kind of kind of dry on the dry inside, and when I uh, uh, came back to to stabilize it and then from, um, add uh, sweetness to it, it even got a little bit more dry. Just just probably a couple more points, not not too much. And so I used uh, nine packets of of the same type of honey to back sweeten it. I uh, and that's but each packet is 0.29 ounces. So I don't know off the top of my head. I think it was. I think I used a total of 4.25 ounces of, of honey, and it was just the right enough, enough sweetness. 
and my back sweetening, I brought it the next day to my friend, and you could actually still see it was clear. It was clear as day. Wow, that's uh, really interesting. Um, so, did you end up using any clearing products at all on it? Like, uh, did you use bentonite a filter, or did it just clear on its own over time? It, it actually just cleared on its own over time. It's it it is still you know it's not a, it is clear. You can see through it, but there's that little bit of touch of haze that the battery has added. But that that's gonna take um, I would say maybe a, another month for it to fully clarify but when i put it in a glass you could peer right through that glass you could see whatever's on the other side and i usually i will use um, uh i have gelatin or i will use uh um, uh, super i think it's it's called super clear Mm -hmm. i I get it from my local homebrew shop it looks just two two clear um liquids and you add one at, at the first part of the day and and then like 12 hours later or 24 hours later you add the second part and it just drops everything out once you cold crash it. But because I'm using such a small amount, I felt that, you know, by adding it, I'm going to lose some quality, some of the uh, product as well because of the bentonite. It's going to st- soak right into it. And, and I've had issues with uh, uh, my gelatin actually just floating and, and just being stuck in the center of mm-hmm. the carboy. And, and it cleared, but it's just stuck in the center. And it just looks like you just left snot in the in the carboy, and that's not going to look pretty once it transfers into a into a carboy. So that that's where I, I was uh, thinking about mine. Um, since you did bring that up, I've heard people talk about this in some of the forums and mention that uh, that gelatin, if you kind of stir it and break it up a little bit, it'll kind of settle down on uh, from there uh, once you cold crash. Just uh, so you have that information in your pocket. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I would use it again. I I was. I didn't have uh, – I had to go to another homebrew shop that day because my, my homebrew shop closes uh, Sunday and Monday, and I did it on a Sunday. And I'm like, oh, crap, i got to go to the other go to the other shop, and all they had was gelatin. Mm-hmm. And so when I used it, my first response to my uh, homebrew uh, club page was, do you guys ever smell dog pee when you use gelatin? It <laughs> smells exactly like dog pee. <laughs> and is that a bad thing? And everyone's just like, yep, that's just kind of the way it smells. I'm like – Oh, should I really use this? Oh, is it gonna ruin my my batch? And you know, that was just you know first timers' experience. Who knows? And but I'm gonna definitely use it again because, as we know as home brewers, the first time might be out of the park, it might be a failure, but the next time gets better and better. Right, and um, I mean, there's always weird smells with some of the products we use. I mean, there's a with Fermate, it smells like crap powdered cheese. So I mean. Uh, <laughs> Or sorry, uh, really yeah. So uh, there's a a lot of weird smells in this stuff that we deal with. Um, so one question I like to ask everybody, uh, just because I think it's always interesting, is uh, how did you end up getting into making mead uh, in the first place? So when I was uh, I, I started brewing uh, in January, almost three years ago, and. Once I and I in the first year of brewing, I brewed two batches of beer, and then I made a second one. And my then I thought to myself, well, I let's try a cider. So I made a cider next to it, uh, and then I added honey to another one. Like and I added twelve ounces of honey, which if you go to Sprouts and you get apples or apple juice, add twelve ounces of honey into that cardboard or into that glass cardboard, you get ten and a half percent automatically, no matter what. Uh, it'll always ferment to one zero. Um, I've had anomalies that's gone drier than that, but it's it it never does. It always is one zero or or maybe a one or two points above that. And 
So I made it. I'm like, I really like this. This is fantastic. But I still didn't know what I made. I was like, oh, it's just cider. Then I ended up making my uh, first mead I ever made was with uh, – I boiled till, uh, Twinnings Earl Grey tea. And then I, I was like, well, I love the tea. Let's add some honey. Let's see how it ferments. And it was brown when it went into the carboy, fermented out, and it was golden. And it was about 4%. And I, I, I was like, I really like this. It's like champagne, but it's dry. It's delicious. And then I thought, well, I'm going to start doing this. And then I started making it and realizing I just started making mead. And when I realized that it was so much easier in, times of, in terms of starting process, I just kept doing it. And so by the end of that first uh, year of mead making, I made uh, about 80 batches of mead, and I had still only made about three, uh, three batches of beer. So then I just kept doing on that cycle. So any beer I make now is a braggot and and I just continue making mead. And at this point, I'm I'm, I'm almost up to I think 150 batches of of mead. Well, that's crazy. You've actually got mead pretty well. I mean, granted, I've only been doing home brewing for about 10 months now, believe it or not. Um, so I I I, I, uh, I was able to do so much is I do small batches, and I would do even because you go to grow um go to breweries and you get half gallon growlers uh and sometimes your honey you don't want to like you want to just test something out maybe you got a good honey you don't know what it's going to be like so i just kept making small uh small batches and just kept doing it like i even did one of my first batches i used c2o coconut water clover honey from trader joe's and fermented it and it was only a 32 gallon or a 32 ounce carboy little carboy and it tasted horrible actually a year later it was the most delicious thing i've ever uh, one of my best meats i ever had Super sweet, uh, but it was absolutely fantastic. And in that carboy of the, of the cool brewing system, I was able to, at the highest and most amount I was able to get in there, was eight batches. So some of them were low alcohol, some of them were high, but the turnover rate of just making almost at one time eight batches almost every week, you know, that that's pretty high turnover rate. Right. Drinkability, it's so small, you could do it. Right, and um, with that in mind, uh, it's been mentioned a lot, but I feel like it's still something that should be stressed heavily. Is uh, you could always make a five-gallon batch or even just a three-gallon batch of a traditional mead, and then from there, once you're done doing your fermentation, break that up into smaller batches and uh, do your experimentation from there. And uh, it's something I've just recently started getting into doing. Uh, I'm actually going to use that for uh, the white chocolate raspberry recipe that I'm planning on doing because I have three different ideas of how to go about getting the chocolate into it. And uh, that sounds such a fantastic recipe. I- I'm so excited to see how you how you turn that out. Um, I've uh, Robert Radcliffe actually gave me uh, some advice. Uh, the person that wrote the big book of meat recipes because uh, I posted asking <laughs> about it, and uh, he gave me. Uh, Probably what I think is going to be the best way to go about doing it, which is using a white chip, ch- uh, white chocolate uh, liqueur after uh, fermentation and uh, blending the two together. And I think that one's probably going to be the one that works the best. I would I would assume so. I mean, I, I actually remember, uh, I think it's about a year ago, Basic Brewing did a, uh, a, a recipe for mead and they called it a Turkish Delight. Uh, and they were using a bunch of spices that you'd get in a Turkish Delight treat candy. Uh, and they made a mead based out of that. And he used, I believe, an orange liqueur, I, I think. I would have to rewatch it. But uh, And he said he just used enough of it. Just, you know, a small amount goes a long way. And when I wanted – so my, for my chocolate uh, sizer, I used a extra – or a chocolate extract that I have 
uh, actually right next to me in the cabinet, and it's a Nielsen Massey pure chocolate extract, and you taste it, and I put it in water, and it just t- made it taste like a, a like a lightly chocolate water, and it's also 37% alcohol. Like it, I basically, it is almost a liqueur at this at this rate, and it's just chocolate extract, unsweetened cocoa powder, and you add it in, and it just adds what you need, but it doesn't overtake it. And as long as you don't add the whole bottle, you're absolutely fantastic, and, I, and that's why I'm really excited to see how that 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 white chocolate liqueur would turn out for you. Yeah, it's definitely. Um a recipe that I'm going to play around with. I'm, it might end up being a blend. I've got a few different ideas on how I'm going to go about that one. Um, so since we're talking about other recipes that both of us have done anyway, I have to ask, what do you think is probably the best mead that you've made so far? So honestly, I'm going to say in terms of traditionals, best mead I've ever made is the mead that I, I stole all the honey from my school. Um, and the truth, truth of the matter was my original plan was I was going to do a larger batch. I, I even thought about doing a three or five gallon one, and then I realized I probably would have been sitting there for 16 hours squeezing honey, and that's not going to be fun. Uh, but, but you know that would have been a pretty amazing video on the on the Mead Makers page, and I honestly think that was one of the biggest uh, like videos or uh, like things I've ever posted. And the funny thing is, the video, the time lapse on there, you can find it. They shut down the the comments on it because it got it was so big of traction, and then I posted up just the photo of the updated version, and that was even double the amount, and people were just going crazy like that is insane that somebody would do that. Um, but I uh, my best mead right now uh, would be my plantain mead. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's so delicious. It because it's such a strange uh, fruit and. What I used was the plantains. Uh, it's a frozen plantain from uh, Trader Joe's. You can get them for I don't know if the, uh, the price changes, but when I got them, it was one, uh, it was two dollars for one pound. So I bought six pounds for a three gallon carboy. Added uh, orange blossom honey, uh, pitched USO five, and then added all the uh, all the uh, plantains. And there's, those were slightly steamed, is what the logo says. And I put them in a muslin bag and just dropped them in and let them sit. And the flavor at the end of it now it tastes like juice but it does not taste like plantains it tastes like a berliner weiss slightly just just hmm. not like it's acidic or there's like an infection that happened it's just there's a little bit of a tinge of like acidity and then there's also uh, the flavor of like just tropical fruit like you, when you drink it you kind of want to put a, uh, a an umbrella in and it's about 10 percent it's fantastic that's that's probably one of my personal favorites that i've had i've made recently so, um, the biggest question I have to ask you here is how did this idea come into your head? Was it literally just walking by the honey in the Starbucks, you saw it and it just hit you right then and there kind of thing? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, it's funny is that I, uh, I went to the other side of the school, uh, where I, where I was at and they had a small coffee shop, just, you know, kind of a makeshift one where they have some snacks and food and they have that, you know, really kind of light coffee. That's not, it's just the caffeine water basically. Right. And I, buying it and they said they had honey and I went can I have a few packets and I realized I'm gonna have to come here quite a bit to get it and and they started going well you have to and I started asking can I have some honey uh, to add to my thing they go no you need to buy coffee to get it and I went well all right and then I went to Starbucks the next day just coincidentally and I saw that they had honey and I went oh I'm gonna do this and then it just I went well I remembered somebody posting it was either on reddit uh, I think it was reddit and they had collected in a cup, like a little styrofoam cup, every day, honey from a uh, 
from that little squeezable ketchup type bottle. And I went, that is insane that somebody ended up making a mead with that. And I thought, let me do this with packets. I'm going to do this. And once you get that, when, I, I'm like the kind of guy who's once you have an idea, you're going to end up doing it. It's just, that's just kind of how it is. And, and then I thought, this is going to be so funny and so stupid. Nobody's going to go, that is the smartest man. Like everybody said, they were like, why don't you just go buy your honey? And it's like, do you not think I would do this? Like, the day I did it, I ended up buying uh, blackberry honey from a local farmer's market. Yeah. It's not like I don't buy honey or, 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 and I also paid for coffee throughout that process. It's not like I just, I, I mean, cause I was going to buy coffee anyway. So why not just snag a few uh, bits of honey and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not like I was trying to harm the company at all in any means. And it's not like I didn't just, I, I didn't, you know, I just didn't pay money for, uh, for the honey itself. Like, and especially when I'm making coffee, I love adding tons of honey to my coffee cause it makes it taste so much better. Right. And I mean, the company we're talking about being Sodexo, um, I mean, they're mainly known for prison food and military food. Like, if you've ever seen the side of their boxes, it literally says fit for military and prison personnel only. So, I mean, honestly, I think they could stand to lose a few bucks here and there, considering their food being as great as it is there, you know? And, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the best food I've had. I mean, I've lived off of it for about five years of my life, being in the military myself, so... Um, yeah, at, at school, it's just some of the most, like, I, I, I ended up going, like, I was eating it for a little bit of time, and, and it was mostly, I would try to eat the salads, because I'm like, well, at least there's some grilled chicken there, and it, it's just not good food, and then I went, screw this, I'm going to get the two apples, a banana, and then a pack of cashews, because I'm not, I'm going to, I'm sick of this, and granted, that's actually way healthier than the food that they sell at it's Exo, and the fact they make so much money, a Starbucks is going to make tons of money because of the students, plus it's Sodexo, there's really not a lot of loss or, or uh, you know, it's just, just the way it is. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, in my opinion, the story and the legend behind this in general, to me, it's worth it all in the end anyway. And, I mean, you're taking, what, maybe three or four packets a day. I, I wouldn't consider that stealing because, I mean, people take, like, 20 packets from Taco Bell every time they go into there. Uh, and that was the comment I saw at one point because some people were so offended that I would do this, but it was it was they were so minor that the people who would you know they just wanted to complain did that. And then like um, a gentleman named Jonathan uh, who has a meadery, uh, the guy with the beard, uh, the Viking dude on on the modern meat bakers page. Often guard, yeah, yeah. Goes, no, that's uh, it, it, like somebody goes, if you had a business, um, this is this you, you're going to put them out of business. And he goes, if you put something up for free. And that's what puts you out of business. You need to you need to rethink your business plan. Yeah, because that if you're giving something out for free, you should already have that in your budget anyway. Yeah, and, and but I really love the people that I look up to in the meat community. Were like, that is awesome. I can't believe somebody would do that because it's a, such a stupid thing to do. But also, it paid off really well because it. Sure, my hands got crippled the next day, but that meat is so good. I love it so much. Would you do it again, though? I mean, go through the four hours of pain to make this batch of meat all over again. You know what? You do the joke once. You can't. You don't re repeat it. And it was literally done for the goof. But right now, what I would do is I'd, get, I'd look in to see where that honey comes from and get a larger uh, source of it. Because it, it's fantastic honey. It's a clover honey. You can get it. If you go to Starbucks and you ask for honey, that's going to be the honey that they have. And uh, and it's and it's true source honey from Canada. It's clover, 
And since clover is just, you know, a very basic honey, like it's not going to taste like crazy amounts of flavor, but in terms of honey, it's actually one of the best clover honeys I've tasted. So that's why I would say like, if I can get the actual source of it, I would do that. I'd do a large, I'd do a large five gallon batch of it any day, but not, not by squeezing and ever again. <laughs> I can only imagine the blisters that you had on your fingers after that. <laughs> it was my hands basically just, I, I, my hands were like, I, because I was squeezing so much, I looked like I was trying to pick up a glass from the top, just grabbing the rim. And that was my hand for the day. Like, I put my hand on the steering wheel because I had to go to work. And I basically was just gripping it with a f two fingers and just sliding my th my hands around the steering wheel to make it because I just couldn't open my hands up. It was so it was so painful. But you know, it turned out like, hey, a little pain goes a long way to make a great meat, I guess. <laughs> I suppose so. So uh, normally, I'd like to ask people what piece of advice they would like to give for uh, somebody just starting off in mead. But I'm gonna change this question up a little bit for this experience. Uh, what advice would you give to the college kid trying to do homebrew in their dorm room? Uh, I honestly, the, the, I would think you'd have to do meat or cider. I would, I would never say be, bring beer because uh, my school uh, actually had a homebrew, uh, uh, homebrew uh, group. Uh, and when, you, when I actually uh, put my application in, it said, which club would you want to join? And it said homebrew, and I said, absolutely. Then I looked into it. They had been defunct for uh, two years, so I, I tried to set it up, and the school gave me so much. Like They were like, yeah, we'll help you set it up. We'll do all this. Great. Come on down, and we'll fix this up, and I showed up, and people got so disrespectful to me that I was like – it was so rude, and, and I just went, you know what? I don't need to be treated like this. I don't, I'm not just going to set this up, and I realized that they, what their concern was is they're thinking it's going to promote underage drinking. I, I'm 26, and I got uh, – I worked before I got into Chapman. Uh, which is the school I go to, uh, and I I got accepted at 25, and so I had already been brewing and got into beer making when I was of age. But their fear is that if you're underage, you could make it and, and cause trouble. But we all know that there is no legal age to brew alcohol. Just the consumption of alcohol is what's illegal. Right. And, and so I would say, honestly, to brew, you where's where's where are you going to have a stove unless you have a an apartment or, or somewhat you can actually or an outside external brewer uh, burner, you can't do that. So if you're gonna start, I always say get go to Sprouts, get a uh, gallon jug of apple juice, add add some honey in there and make a mead, uh, or even grab a um, grape juice or anything and make a mead um, to the flavor you like. But just put it away in your closet, and if you're in, since you don't want to damage anything. Put a bucket underneath it. Find something that you can enclose and also keep the temperature good uh, because, God forbid, you have a, a, a meat explode, which I made a, a soursop meat, and the next day uh, it exploded in my uh, cool brew system, and it just all came up through the airlock, and I went, well, make mistakes, but I, I just brushed it off, cleaned it up, and ready to go, and I didn't cause a mess. I just went out. I took it outside and hosed it off, and I'm like, this is fantastic, like easy, easy cleaning. Um, I've definitely had experiences where, uh, in the process of making a mead, I, uh, don't leave quite enough headroom for all the, uh, foam that I get from it, and, uh, mm -hmm. my airlock basically ends up blowing a whole bunch of, uh, liquid all over my floor because of that, so, uh, I do feel like headroom is 
definitely something that people should keep in mind whenever they're uh, starting to brew. So. And, and God forbid your roommates are like, come home and they're like, are you serious right now? And you just, they see a ceiling full of uh, red specks like you were shooting up heroin. But in reality, it's, it's just, it's just strawberries up on the ceiling. Yeah, that or they walk in and the floor's all sticky and things like that. So. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it, it, in terms of me making as like a college kid, you could do it. I, I highly recommend it because, uh, and, and, and as well as that, you can make stuff as long as you put nutrients in. It's fantastic. Like the the basis of my uh, me making skills, I my chocolate apple cider I made recently. Uh, it, I made it during summer, but I, it took me. It went from I forget the starting gravity to uh, the final gravity in less than six days, and the final gravity was nine 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 two. That's it, it was just it, it shocked me because the first ever meads I was making that were big big size in my dorm was um, they ended up at fourteen percent, but it took four months to ferment like just to fully finish because mm-hmm. i added no nutrients i didn't treat it well enough i just let it keep let it do its thing and that was just you know now that you learn through experience you can make stuff great and get and if it isn't that great college kids don't care just give it to the ones who can uh, who are legally to, able to drink and they'll just drink it because it tastes better than bud light right that or they'll drink it because they're so drunk that they don't care as long as it's got alcohol or something like that and that's what I found. And I, I give it to friends. I uh, I even made an iced mead just because I'm like, I thought it was finished. It wasn't. And I'm like, I already, I already tried to clarify it. And it was this, this dark purple uh, grape juice mead that I went, uh, you know what? This is not going to be good. I, it tasted delicious, but it was going to probably keep sitting for months. And I just went, screw this. So I froze it and I gave it to my friends. And I'm like, be careful with this. And I'm like, why? And they started drinking it. And they, I gave one kid a, a bottle of it, like 16 uh, ounces of it, in just a, uh, a water bottle. Just like, yeah, drink it, but be careful. He comes back to me. He's like, dude, that was the worst hangout I've ever had. I go, how much did you drink? The whole thing? And he's like, and I'm like, that was 40%, man. He goes, it just tastes like juice. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you're such a college kid. <laughs> well, uh, when you're doing things like that you do have to keep in mind that uh the alcohol uh doesn't freeze but um the uh the other items in there will so it's basically taking everything in your meat or whatever type of alcohol you're using and in a sense it's kind of distilling which there is kind of a legality thing that I probably should talk about here with that it's technically illegal to do that uh, but due to nine eleven, they stopped really caring about it. They don't enforce that anymore because it used to be big, like big issue back pre nine eleven. And then once nine eleven happened, the people who actually care and focus on it, it's they don't they don't really they don't enforce it anymore. Right. Uh, I just for the sake of keeping my show running and not having oh, people yeah. get mad at me there, <laughs> I, I do have to reiterate that. Uh, it, there is a legal thing there where you're not allowed to do it. I, I get it. You're a college kid, so legality isn't quite something that's always a big deal for you because, I mean, let's face it, you're probably out partying every now and then. Uh, I've definitely been in that lifestyle myself uh, between military and college. I totally forgot that. that I actually, when, we were, when I was telling you that, I totally <laughs> forgot that it is a legal thing. Oh, no, no. It, it's, it, it's completely I, fine. It's I just. So funny. I, I just wanted to reiterate that for the sake of the show, uh, but I mean, 
for the sake of being honest here, even though it's illegal, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're doing it at your own house for the sake of trying it yourself, I don't see a personal problem with it. It's just a yeah. matter of making sure the powers that be, so to speak, aren't going to find out you're doing it, I guess is the best way to put it. So don't be advertising it if you're going about doing it, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but it is... Um, I've heard people talk about making what's called Apple Jack and uh, other alcohols like that, which uh, uh, it comes out to be tasting similar to a brandy in a sense once you're done with doing it. And uh, I've heard it's actually a really good product by the time you're done. So. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a fascinating thing to do. But like, but the thing is, though, as meat makers, we can make stuff super high alcohol. And then at that point, you're just like, well, why do I have to make this even stronger? It's, you're almost you're already at fifteen percent. Let's just keep it, you know. Why try to make it forty percent? Right, right. And I mean, uh, one of the yeasts I personally like to use a lot, K one. Uh, you can get as high as uh, past twenty percent with that yeast, pretty damn that's easily. So, that's so crazy. And uh, that's, that's insane. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a workhorse of a yeast and uh, it's really easy for it to do it. It's one of those yeasts that you can throw just about anything you want at it and it'll just sit there and ask for seconds, which is honestly yeah. one of the reasons I love using it. Well, uh, does that always, does it finish it? What, what, what does your uh, finishing gravity usually be with that when you do those? Um, well, with that, uh, there's times where I'll feel like, if the meat is starting to taste a little bit too much like rocket fuel, I'll stop it uh, prior to it completing fermentation uh, by doing cold crashing and then stabilizing. Um, but I've had, uh, I had a sizer that I did with it that got up to about 15% before I stopped it. And that one, uh, even at 15%, because uh, it was a spice cider, I made, um, I made the cider myself uh, using a crock pot and adding the spices into it. And then from there, added the honey into my fermentation container. Uh, I actually uh, made an episode about the recipe with that uh, for the podcast too. And um, wow. with that one, it came out to about 15%. But even still, you don't really taste the alcohol in it. And it the, the seasonings come out more than the apple or the honey in it really but uh that's kind of what i wanted anyway um and it's actually quite enjoyable um granted like i said k1 is definitely a really strong yeast to be working with so um you do want to kind of keep that in mind whenever you use it because it can definitely become overpowering i've had a couple of my meads where i let them run a little too long and you take a sip and it pretty much makes you kind of do that thing where you pull your head back because you pretty much feel like you just got punched in the face a little bit so absolutely i actually think because i i made a cider um so my recipe for making ciders uh sizers uh is usually uh, sprouts apple juice um, whatever kind of yeast I want to use, but I, I actually tend to like beer yeasts because um, you, you can you know keep it in a good range. But I'll use 12 ounces, or if I want to get 13 and a half percent, I'll use 24 ounces. And then if you want to use a little more, you get you know a little higher. And there's only one time I ever I actually did it twice. Uh, one was at supposedly 16 percent, failed. It turned into uh, vinegar, and I was like, why is it not clarifying? <laughs> Drank it, and my my jaw. I took a video of myself to like 
you know, see how my natural reaction is. Do I like it? Do I not? And my jaw clenches up, and you can see me going like, <laughs> making a noise that's not okay. Like, it's just, I lo- it looks like I got punched in the face. Right. And so I dumped it. But then my other one, I actually, uh, I'm bringing it to my holiday party tonight just to see uh, the update of it. But I tried one recently, and it was 15.5%. It was rocket fuel. And I actually think I used uh, K1, and it was, uh, it, it, it tasted, tasted just like rocket fuel, but I stopped it to where there was some residual, residual sweetness, not planning to, it just did that. And it tastes uh, right now, because originally it tasted like honey, a little apple, and just booze. That, and mm. now, after almost two years, it tastes really thick, almost like a, uh, I would say, not. I wouldn't even equate it to uh, Kurt's apple cider from Moonlight Meadery, but on, the, on that level of body, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that, but it's not anywhere as elegant. But it's the the fact that it could get that high is just so fascinating. Yeah, and we'll drink it. Yeah, it's crazy how high some of these yeast can go. Um, and uh, since we're talking about ciders, anyway, uh, I recently did a chai tea mead where I used a seasonal uh, yeast. It's a Scottish cider yeast from a uh, White Labs WLP seven seven three. Wow. And, uh, I absolutely fell in love with this yeast after one time of using it because it really, really brought out the flavor of the chai tea in the mead. I was really impressed with the results. Unfortunately, with it being a seasonal yeast, I can't get it anytime I want. I have to wait until next year to get it again. But, uh, it's definitely one of those things that I'm probably going to do one time a year now because I'm so happy with how this mead came out. So How much, uh, uh yeast did you have to, like, how many packets of the yeast did you use to, to make that? Oh, um, well, with the packet, uh, I did, uh, I did a three-gallon batch, and, uh, with the packet, I just used the one, but, um, to make it to where, because using liquid yeast, uh, I'm sure you know just as well as I do that it's not as easy to pitch. You're probably going to have some dead yeast. Um, so I uh, did a starter using a GoFirm, and I have a, a, a yeast stir plate with a little magnet uh, that I use, and I set it on there, left it there for about five, six hours, and came back to it, and it was just bubbling away. So wow. I pitched that into uh, my mead, and uh, from there, staggered my uh, fermented nutrients, and uh, the entire fermentation was incredibly healthy, uh, went really well, and uh, it's probably one of my personal favorites that I've done so far. Uh, my Huckleberry Boucher is probably going to remain my favorite for a really long time. I don't see myself making another recipe better than that anytime soon. Um, How but, much huckleberry did you end up using, and, and what was your cost to make to get that? Oh man, uh, the cost is not. It, it hurts because <laughs> it, it's somewhere around like sixty to eighty dollars for like five pounds of huckleberries. It, it's just ridiculous Whoa. the amount of money you have to pay for them. Um, I grew up in northern Idaho where I could just go pick them myself. And I cringe every time that I pay for them instead because <laughs> I used to be able to just go out and pick up, pick as many as I want. And now I have to sit here and pay for them. But um, I end up getting the huckleberries from uh, Northwest Foods. Uh, and I use about, uh, I'd say, one pound of huckleberries per three pounds of honey, uh, which I use about three pounds of honey per gallon just about every time i make a mead and uh that's pretty cool 
with the the huckleberry bush shea, I use a I use the orange blossom honey and uh, I caramelize it on the stove and uh, it's uh, by far my personal favorite recipe that I've made so far. That's that's pretty interesting. I, I also recommend if you go to a farmer's market, bring some mead with you so that you can potentially like say uh, if you go there to get tell them who you are and what you're doing and then you I I've gone to some local uh, places and gave them a bottle like because I, I bought their fruit once and I and I just came back to get um, it was a uh, pluot um, a bunch of pluots I bought and I made this mead and it tasted great in my opinion like it turned it it was a I think about seven percent and it the only downside to it is it tasted fuzzy like the um, the, the body of it and there wasn't pulp in it it just for some reason it tasted fuzzy to me but I liked it I gave them a bottle and then they gave me thirty dollars worth of fruit for free. And I was like, I picked it up to make my next meet, and they're like, no, here you go. So you can easily, like, make almost trades at, at farmer's markets or even get, like, big discounts if you provide, if you give them something as well. And that's always, that's a good way to try to, you know, cut down on cost if you if you can find great organic fruit around you. That's definitely something I'm going to have to check out myself. Uh, I know a lot of meaderies out here actually sell at farmer's markets too, and uh, it's a great place to actually get to kind of, build a network in general so i feel it's uh, definitely something i need to reach out to myself a little bit more um absolutely anyway evan uh i think that uh i've taken up quite a bit of your time at this point i'm gonna let you get back to doing what you've been up to on your saturday uh thank you so much and i appreciate it. this has been a fun conversation yeah i've definitely enjoyed it myself we dived into a lot of different subjects here kind of branched off a little bit from the original topic but i'm more than happy to do that so uh, anyways, I'm going to let you get back to enjoying your Saturday. Uh, this has been Viking Fuel, and uh, as always, Skull. I know you feel it deep inside your bones. Breaking you down when you are all alone. Nowhere to go. I hope you see. Yeah!